Welcome to The Missing Piece, independent podcast which gives voice to the people. Hello everyone, this is Mengfei Li from Beijing, China, and welcome to our brand new episode of The Missing Piece. And I hope everyone is having a great week so far. Well, China and the U.S. officials had the first conversation last week despite the fire and fury exchange during the dialogue. As what Foreign Minister Wang Yi mentioned to the press, conversation is always better than cold shoulder. Well, indeed, both sides were willing to make some progress, the bigger picture yet to be seen. Meanwhile, it could be a rough week for a nation as North Korea. Well, first, North Korean government sent a powerful message to America, warning Biden and his team no more funny moves. And second, recently North Korean closed its embassy in Malaysia despite the fact that two countries had established the diplomatic ties in, 17, uh, in 1973. The question on everyone's mind is, what is happening to the nation right now? Well, today, I'm honored to have a special and amazing guest back, and his name is Dr. Zhao Tong. Dr. Zhao is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy. His research focuses on strategic security issues such as nuclear weapons policy, deterrence, arms control, non-proliferation, missile defense, hypersonic weapons, and China's security and foreign policy. Previously, he was a Stanton Nuclear Security Fellow at Harvard University. He holds a PhD in Science, Technology, and International Affairs from Georgia Institute of Technology, and as well as an MA in International Relations and a BS in Physics from Tsinghua University. He's the author of Ties of Change, China's Nuclear Ballistic Missile Submarines and Strategic Stability, and narrowing the U.S.-China gap on missile defense, how to help forestall a nuclear arms race. Dr. Zhao Tong, welcome back to my show. Well, thank you so much, Meng Fei, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Well, Dr. Zhao Tong, let's get to the question. As we mentioned before, recently so many articles came out regarding the message crystal clear from North Korea to America. And we know that Joe Biden just became the president, what, for three months or two months? But so far, nothing new or nothing actually happening from the U.S. side. But it looks like the North Korean has already taken a brand new approach or even had this small step and send the warning to America. So Dr. Zhao Tong, from your perspective, why do you think at this moment that North Korea wanted to send a message first? What is the motivation behind the message? Uh, well, as you said, uh, the Biden administration just uh, came into power about two months, a little more than two months ago. Um, prior to it coming to power, uh, Biden and his senior advisors uh, sent some positive signals to North Korea indicating that they may adopt a different approach uh, to deal with North Korea. They uh, may be more flexible uh, on issues uh, such as uh, sanctions on North Korea, uh, and they understand the importance of uh, preventing North Korea from uh, further advancing its nuclear weapons uh, rather than uh, 
insisting North Korea has to completely give up its nuclear weapons in the near-term future. Uh, so they appeared uh, to uh, be willing to consider a more flexible approach. Uh, but um, now two months into, uh, into uh, power, um, there has no uh, concrete, uh, concrete activity from the Biden administration. Uh, I think it's primarily because uh, the Biden administration is conducting a comprehensive and thorough policy review on North Korea. So before that policy review is concluded, it's hard for the Biden administration officials to uh, send concrete signals to North Korea. But North Korea is waiting uh, increasingly impatiently. Um, and uh, on the ground, uh, as the spring comes, uh, also comes the time for the annual joint military exercises between South Korea and the United States. Um, so North Korea worries that um, as time passes by, the Biden administration may actually uh, revert to the old uh, policy of maintaining pressure on North Korea without uh, offering North Korea any substantive uh, concessions. Indeed, some senior Biden administration officials have recently talked about the importance of uh, both diplomacy, but also maintaining uh, coercive pressure on North Korea. Uh, many of the officials also use the term uh, denuclearization of North Korea rather than denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula in their public statements. Uh, the term uh, denuclearization of North Korea is not welcomed by North Korea because it puts the uh, obligation of denuclearization completely on the shoulder of North Korea. Mm. Um, so all these uh, indirect messages from the United States uh, may appear worrisome to North Korea. So they uh, therefore decided uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to warn warn uh, Washington uh, in some uh, in some sense. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I think the basic message is. Uh, there is still an opportunity <clears throat> for improving relations and for re resuming diplomacy, but you know, don't uh, continue with the coercive uh, approach. Uh, if you want to resume diplomacy, you should start with providing North Korea with some uh, positive inducements rather than uh, punitive punishment. Mm. Well, Dr. Chow, I do wanted to um, mention about this person, which is called Donald Trump. And we know that when Donald Trump was the president for America, you know, for um, among the four years, and again, the world watched the news that Kim Jong-un actually sat down with Donald Trump for the first time. And of course, Donald Trump was the, um, the only sitting president in the modern age, able to sit down with a North Korean leader, and despite what the media portrays and what the news um, indicates, what's on the agreement, etc. Now, as soon as the election campaign took off, we haven't really heard a lot from Joe Biden in terms of foreign policy, and we're gonna get to China in a second. But let's just go back to North Korea. Is is it possible that Joe Biden is going to undo? That what Trump has already laid the groundwork because at this moment we know that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are two completely 
people with different backgrounds. One is politician, another one is the businessman. One is always looking for this politician type dialogue, but the other one had this dialogue as a businessman um, trying to looking for a deal. So the question to you, Dr. Zhao, is, is it possible that the Joe Biden is going to um, repeal and replace? That's something that Trump did? Because so far, that again, it's rather unpredictable to know how much work that Joe Biden or administration actually appreciate what Trump did in terms of dealing with North Korea. Um, yes, I think you are very uh, right that uh, Biden uh, will take a very different approach from uh, Trump. Uh, Trump uh, was very interested in uh, summit meetings with Kim Jong-un. Uh, in fact, uh, most people question uh, whether uh, President Trump was really uh, interested in uh, concrete uh, progress towards uh, denuclearization, but rather maybe he was more motivated uh, by the attention he would get uh, in uh, uh, holding summit meetings with Kim Jong-un and he was uh, interested in uh, making uh, symbolic uh, declarations of progress uh, so that uh, he could uh, receive maybe a Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. Um, but you know, Biden is a different uh, person. He certainly will approach North Korea from a different, um, uh, from different approach. His advisors uh, appear uh, more interested in uh, uh, achieving uh, concrete uh, progress towards denuclearization. Uh, they uh, increasingly recognize that uh, North Korea has very little interest in giving up its nuclear weapons, but simply uh, pretended that they were interested in uh, achieving that goal. Um, and as North Korea uh, takes time to develop better and more advanced nuclear weapons, missile systems, uh, the Biden advisors realize that uh, it is increasingly urgent not to uh, achieve uh, complete denuclearization, which is very hard uh, to achieve, but to focus on how to uh, prevent North Korea from testing more missiles or more nuclear weapons to prevent North Korea from further advancing its nuclear capabilities. So that becomes uh, the near-term uh, priority for the Biden administration. Uh, so I wouldn't expect uh, Biden to resume uh, summit meetings with Kim Jong-un mm. anytime soon. Uh, Biden prefers to start with opera operational level diplomatic discussions uh, so that he would want his diplomats and technical uh, experts uh, to hammer out all the detailed, uh, you know, all the all the details of a possible agreement uh, before uh, meeting with Kim Jong Un and uh, sign uh, the final agreement. Mm. Um, but I don't think Biden is going to completely uh, uh, abandon uh, what has been done under the Trump administration, uh, especially. Um, Biden uh, recognizes that Trump uh, made some useful uh, progress uh, during the Singapore summit uh, in, 20, uh, in 2018. Uh, US and North Korea uh, agreed on four uh, basic uh, uh, 
points uh, during the summit, uh, and uh, Kim Jong-un personally uh, committed to the eventual goal of denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula uh, at Singapore. So I think that's, that's useful from the perspective of the Biden administration, and I think it is willing to build on that uh, Building uh, to build on that uh, basis uh, in uh, its uh, uh, dealing with North Korea, mm. I don't think uh, I, I even uh, believe that Biden administration would uh, reaffirm the American commitments made at Singapore and then try to seek uh, uh, further concrete progress on the basis of that. Mm. Well, Dr. Zhao, as I mentioned in the intro, that China and the U.S. officials officially had the first dialogue last week. And of course, um, I'm sure you follow the media as well. The conversation, I I don't want to say it didn't really go the way that both party wanted. But somehow, again, I use the word fire and fury exchange during the dialogue. But this is a question I'm very interested is, the US or America government, they know that China and North Korea, the relationship be traced all the way back. And of course, based on the previous administration's progress, um, able to sit down with North Korean leaders or government, China played a huge or even a significant role able to build up the groundwork for both countries. But Dr. Zhao, don't you think that U.S. is actually playing with fire if China or if they're trying to offend China or if the conversation between China and US could not go very well it's very easy or it's much easier for the US to lose North Korea or cannot even get a deal without the help of China so what do you think um i think uh, when dealing with China, the Biden administration is uh, adopting an approach called principled diplomacy, which means on uh, issues of principles, the Biden administration would not make uh, concessions. Mm. Uh, so that's why we, we see uh, Biden administration making strong protest against China on issues of human rights, Xinjiang, Hong Kong, etc. Uh, and that has indeed uh, also uh, provoked China to uh, retaliate. Uh, so that's what uh, witnessed uh, at the uh, first high-level uh, meeting between the two sides in Alaska last week. Uh, but I think uh, in addition to that, Biden uh, also recognizes the importance of uh, cooperating with China in areas of common interests. Um, so uh, his administration clearly indicated that uh, U.S. is willing uh, to compete with China where uh, it has to, but also willing to cooperate with China where it is necessary. Uh, so uh, among those areas of common interests between the two countries, uh, North Korea is uh, clearly uh, one of those issue areas. Um, Washington recognizes that uh, it needs China's help uh, in addressing uh, North Korean nuclear threat. Um, so I think, you know, in the uh, following uh, sessions uh, during the uh, Alaska meeting, uh, the high-level delegates from the two countries indeed uh, discussed issues uh, including North Korea. Uh, I think the countries do, the two sides do have some uh, 
do uh, face uh, a greater opportunity uh, to cooperate on uh, North Korea today than uh, than during the uh, than during the uh, Trump administration, mm. uh, because uh, they both uh, recognize the urgency of uh, stopping North Korea's additional missile tests and nuclear uh, weapon tests. And, and in fact, uh, this becomes even more urgent as uh, there is growing uh, evidence that North Korea may be considering uh, resuming long-range missile flight tests uh, in the near-term future. Um, and uh, at the uh, Ace Party Congress concluded in January this year, Kim Jong-un also laid out a wide range of new strategic weapon systems that North Korea will uh, continue developing and testing. Uh, so this uh, increased sense of urgency will open a new opportunity for U.S. and China to cooperate, uh, at least, you know, not least to forestall any North Korean effort to resume uh, strategic missile testing. Uh, and, you know, as uh, mentioned uh, before, uh, Biden administration may take a more flexible approach on the issue of sanction mm. against North Korea. That may open opportunities for U.S. and China to cooperate on the so-called step-by-step approach to achieve denuclearization, which means North Korea would put some initial limit on its nuclear arsenal in return for Washington and Beijing and other major powers to suspend uh, or relax uh, some uh, sanctions under certain conditions. Um, so as Biden uh, appears more willing to uh, consider this option, I think Beijing and Washington can certainly cooperate to make that happen. Dr. Zhao, do you think with the increase or with the tremendous economic uh, uh, growth in China, that could actually how can I say, elevate the image of North Korea in terms of battling with countries like America. So in other words, you know, um, I, across the internet, I've seen pictures or after images after images that we always saw uh, or people tend to portray that North Korea is either the son or even the uh, adopted uh, a child from China. So in other words, when the father is getting stronger, and the son out to be what um, powerful or out to be forceful as well. Do you think that North Korea continue can use China as a backbone in order to um, balance the message or even to uh, balance the relationship with counterparts? I, I think that's certainly a North Korean's calculation uh, for North Korean's own national interests. Uh, it. Uh, should develop a more closer relationship with China. Um, in, indeed, for the past few years, North Korea has been uh, trying to drive a wedge between uh, U.S. and China mm. uh, so that to undermine international uh, coalition uh, in opposing sanctions against North Korea. So that's, that's one very effective uh, strategy for North Korea to uh, acquire uh, breathing room uh, against international political and uh, political isolation and economic sanctions. And indeed, as uh, North Korea sent a new ambassador to uh, China recently, uh, the two uh, heads of states uh, exchanged uh, very warm messages um, and both uh, committed to further improving bilateral relationship. Uh, so that's uh, 
you know, certainly what North Korea is trying to do. Uh, and on the Chinese side, there is also some uh, new thinking, I think, among the uh, academic and expert community. Some people uh, start to make the argument that, look, it is uh, unrealistic to expect North Korea to denuclearize. And mm. therefore, we should um, uh, basically accept that as a reality. And, and, and then focus on the real challenge for China, which is uh, the uh, you know U.S. Uh, and uh, you know they also argue China should look at its North Korea policy in the bigger context of a rising U.S.-China strategic competition. So basically, they are arguing that China's uh, you know China should um, look at the Korean Peninsula more from the geopolitical. Uh, perspective than uh, from the perspective of uh, trying to achieve denuclearization. Mm. I personally don't think that's a wise uh, way for China to address uh, North Korean issue. I think if North Korea becomes a de facto permanent nuclear armed uh, state, it will uh, have very negative and long-term impact on China's own security interests. Mm. It will uh, give excuse for, uh, it will uh, motivate U.S. and its allies to uh, cooperate more closely uh, on military issues. It will motivate U.S. and its allies to deploy more advanced uh, military assets, including missile defense systems uh, near China. Um, and it might even uh, uh, motivate the conservative uh, voices in South Korea and Japan mm. who want to see uh, their own countries uh, developing uh, indigenous uh, military nuclear capabilities. Mm. Uh, so uh, I, I, you know, I think uh, a permanent nuclear capable North Korea will have a very negative impact uh, that undermines China's strategic relations with the United States and also undermines China's future relations with its neighbors, including South Korea and Japan. Uh, if, if China fully recognizes these negative consequences in the long run, I think it would um, um, you know, uh, be more interested in uh, working with regional stakeholders uh, to think about how they can collectively tackle with the North Korean nuclear threat. Hmm. Well, Dr. Zhao, the next question, again, as I mentioned in the intro, North Korean recently closed its embassy in Malaysia, um, uh, even though um, the two countries had established a diplomatic relationship since um, 1973. And based on the research and article, it says it's something to do with a person that who was able to, uh, quote, money laundering, you know, involve this uh, illegal crimes, but happened in Malaysia. But there was such a dispute or um, it just can't really, the two sides can't really agree with upon the decision is whether um, how should we deal with this crime or how should we illegally that uh, process um, this person uh, uh, according to the uh, uh, domestic um, policy. But anyway, but the question, uh, Dr. Zhao, is do you think that North Korea right now can't afford to make more foes in Southeast Asia? Because at this moment, and we just, um, you know, as I want to say the good news is we are gradually getting over this pandemic. But 
for a lot more countries in Southeast Asia, in terms of international policy or economic growth, are still facing the brick wall. So is this is really the opportunity for North Korea to take advantage and to reshape the image in Southeast Asia? Uh, well, in theory, yes. Um, South Asian countries uh, have been an important uh, source of uh, resources uh, for North Korea. And also many uh, uh, you know, South Asian countries uh, they are important uh, locations for transshipment uh, for North Korea. Um, you know, Malaysia used to be an important hub of transshipment uh, for uh, goods uh, going into and out of North Korea. Uh, but I think in recent years, especially uh, since uh, uh, you know, 2016, 2017, when uh, North Korea was busy uh, testing uh, missiles and nuclear weapons, uh, the international uh, community uh, under the UN Security Council decided uh, to impose a series of economic sanctions on North Korea. And Malaysia, being a UN member, had to uh, comply with those uh, UN sanctions. And as a result, um, because of the implementation of sanctions by Malaysia and other uh, regional countries, um, the, the importance of uh, these countries being a source of uh, resources for North Korea, uh, serving as a hub for transshipment for North Korean uh, imports and exports, that importance has uh, diminished. Um, and after several years uh, since the impo imposition of those uh, sanctions, um, I think the uh, the importance of Malaysia is is now uh, very much lower than before. So it is a cheap move uh, for North Korea. It can send a strong uh, signal of political protest without actually uh, incurring much uh, damage to itself. I think more importantly, if we look at the bigger international picture, uh, one uh, spec one possibility is North Korean leader uh, is uh, looking at the overall shift of balance uh, globally. Um, you know, uh, China is uh, rising very quickly. Mm. The U.S. economic performance is not very good, especially in recent years compared with China. Mm. Even China's leader uh, himself uh, uh, publicly states that uh, you know, the, the, the East is rising, the West is declining. Uh, so maybe uh, from the Kim Jong-un's perspective, um, um, the East is rising, uh, which means China, Russia uh, will have greater importance uh, internationally. That's right. Uh, and North Korea only needs to tighten the belt for a few years. And then the, inter international, the, the entire international landscape will, will be changed. Uh, US, uh, you know, US influence will be much less and Chinese influence will be much stronger. Mm. So by that time, the US-led international sanction regime would basically uh, erode and even collapse. So maybe their hope is, you know, to wait for a few more years, and then, uh, you know, these these external uh, pressure, especially the sanctions, will uh, become much less, uh, 
much less important. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's where the North Koreans' uh, long-term uh, thinking uh, rest uh, rests, and uh, so they do not uh, they attach less importance to other smaller players such as Malaysia. Mm. Well, Dr. Zhao, you know, uh, we could go on and on for the topic on North Korea, China, and the U.S. And I oh, I say this from this um, as a humble attitude is every time I talk to you, you always share so much that important information and also critical views from your years of learning and also research and um, based on this strategic security in Southeast Asia and related to nuclear weapons. Of course, I know it's time, your time is equally very important and precious. So again, um, Dr. Zhao Tong is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy. His research focuses on strategic security issues such as nuclear weapons policy, arms control, non-proliferation, missile defense, hypersonic weapons, and China security and foreign policy. Dr. Zhao, thank you so much for being on my show, and we always appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you, Monfei. It's always a great pleasure chatting with you.